1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: God looks for the blood of Christ applied to your sin. That's what He's looking for. He's not looking for good people or religious people or moral people or successful people. He's looking for people who have applied the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, to their lives. And when He sees the blood... Applied to your life and applied to your sin, His judgment passes over you.
1: Have you ever wondered what God is looking for when He looks at the lives of His people? Is He looking at what we say, how much we tithe, or even what we do? Today Pastor Dan will be sharing a message with you about the Passover. During this time, people would put blood over the doors of their homes as a way to show God the sacrifice for their sins. As we listen, we are informed that when God looks at us, He looks to see if we have applied the blood of Christ to our sins and to our lives. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 26 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: going to be back in the Gospel of Matthew. As you know, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament. We're in Matthew chapter 26, if you want to turn there in your Bible for me. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. We're also going to look at Luke chapter 10. You want to go ahead and find that in your Bible as well. Matthew 26, Luke chapter 10. We're in chapter 26, beginning in verse 1, where it says, And now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. And when Jesus was in Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask, of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant and saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And Lord, we thank you for your word today and as always, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to your word. I pray and ask, Lord, that your spirit would be, be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in chapters 24 and 25, Jesus delivered the Olivet Discourse, one of his longest teachings recorded in the Gospels. In chapter 26 now, He is, Jesus is still on the Mount of Olives with his disciples where he delivered the Olivet Discourse. And in verse one, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these things, the Olivet Discourse, that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Now, this is the fourth time that Jesus told his disciples that he would be crucified. And it's one of the only times, if not the only time, that Jesus mentions his crucifixion without mentioning his resurrection. Every other time that he speaks of his crucifixion, he also speaks of his resurrection. But he only mentions his crucifixion here, that he will be delivered up to be crucified. Now, the Jews executed people through stoning. That was their method of execution. The Romans executed people through crucifixion. And so Jesus is indicating to his disciples here that he will, he will be handed over to the Romans to be crucified, to be executed by the Romans. And they, they understand that in a sense that because only the Romans crucified people. And Jesus will be crucified On Passover, he says again, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And so it's always neat when God, you know, orchestrates things where our Old Testament study directly corresponds with our New Testament study. But again, we're just reminded here that it's important to study all of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And as it's been said, the Bible is the first hyperlinked book. You have to study the Old Testament to really understand the New Testament. And I encourage you to study the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, and join us on Thursday nights, if you haven't already, to get the Old Testament so that you can better understand the New Testament study on Sunday morning. Passover was God's appointed time for Jesus to be crucified. Passover was God's appointed time for Jesus to be crucified. The Passover in the Old Testament points ultimately to the redemption and salvation provided by Jesus Christ through his death on the cross, through his sacrifice. If you know the Passover story, at that first Passover, in Exodus chapter 12, the children of Israel were instructed to sacrifice a lamb, specifically a lamb, as a substitutionary sacrifice. And they were to take the blood of the lamb and put the blood of the sacrificed lamb on the doorposts of their homes. And then on the night of the Passover, the Lord passed through the land of Egypt looking for the blood of a sacrificed lamb on the doorpost. And if he saw the blood of a lamb on the doorpost, his judgment would pass over that house. That's where we get the name Passover. If he did not see blood on the doorpost, then his judgment would pass through that house. And he killed the firstborn in that home where there was no blood applied the only thing that saved people from God's judgment at that first Passover was the blood of a lamb that was applied to the doorpost by faith because God said apply the blood to the doorpost and death will pass over you. That was the only thing that saved people and that points to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross. The Apostle Paul says Christ is our Passover. John the Baptist said of Jesus, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was sacrificed on the cross in our place so that we might be redeemed, so that God's judgment might pass over us. And listen to me, God looks for the blood of Christ applied to your sin. That's what He's looking for. He's not looking for good people or religious people, or moral people, or successful people. He's looking for people who have applied the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, to their lives. And when he sees the blood applied to your life and applied to your sin, his judgment passes over you. And so Passover was God's appointed time. For Jesus Christ to die because Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of Passover. He's the ultimate Passover sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. Now, you know, if you've read the Gospels, you know there were plots to put Jesus to death previous to the Passover. There were attempts to arrest him. There were plans to kill him. But this was his appointed time to die for the sins of the world. On Passover. Now, while Jesus was on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, all the religious leaders were gathered together in Jerusalem at the palace of the chief priest named Caiaphas to conspire against Jesus. Look at verse 3. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas. And they plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said, not during the feast of Passover, lest there be an uproar among the people. So verse 3, all of the religious leaders were gathered together, plotting how they might kill Jesus. These are the leaders of Judaism. And they are conspiring to murder someone. And not just anyone, the son of God. Jesus Christ. And it says they are plotting to take him by trickery. They've tried unsuccessfully to entangle him in his words. We saw that in chapters 21 to 23. They tried to get him to say something wrong, to get him to say something heretical, but they couldn't entangle him in his words or in his doctrine, and so they resort to trickery, to deception. And notice in verse 5, they do not want to take him and kill him, During Passover, because that might cause a riot among the people. Remember, during Passover, millions of people came to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So the city is overflowing with people. And the Bible tells us the common people received Jesus gladly. Just a few days before this, on Sunday, Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, riding into the city on a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah 9 9, presenting himself as king. And, and all of the multitudes went out to welcome him into the city and to embrace him as King and Messiah. And so because of the popularity of Jesus among the people, the religious leaders want to wait until after Passover is over.
1: Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs.
2: Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer requests with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message.
2: When the crowds return home, they don't want to kill Jesus during Passover because that might cause an uproar among the multitudes. But again, Passover is God's appointed time the crucifixion, and Jesus will be crucified on Passover. God is in control of the crucifixion, not the religious leaders. God is in control. Jesus was crucified according to God's plan on God's schedule, not the religious leaders' plan, and not their schedule. In Luke chapter 2, it begins by telling us that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And so everyone returned to his own city or his hometown. And the decree of Caesar caused Joseph and Mary to leave Nazareth in the Galilee and return to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, to be registered for tax purposes. And it was while they were in Bethlehem that Mary went into labor and gave birth to Jesus, fulfilling the prophecy in Micah 5, 2, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Caesar thought he was issuing a decree to register everyone for tax purposes, but really God had Caesar issue that decree to cause Joseph and Mary to return to Bethlehem to fulfill prophecy so that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would be born in Bethlehem. God was in control, not Caesar. And God used Caesar, this pagan ruler, without Caesar even knowing it. And God used Caesar. Caesar was just a puppet. God used him to accomplish his plan. Well, in a similar way, God will use the religious leaders to accomplish His plan. The religious leaders want Jesus put to death on a cross, and so does God the Father. God the Father wants Jesus put to death on a cross to atone for the sins of the world. And what the religious leaders meant for evil against Jesus, God will use for good, to bring salvation to mankind. And so now we go into verse 6. We told in verse 6, And when Jesus was in Bethany, At the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask, of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. They would sit on the ground. The tables were very low. They'd sit on the floor on pillows. And when his disciples saw it, they were very indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. And assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Back up in verse 6, Jesus was in Bethany which was only a short distance from Jerusalem. It's up over the crest of the Mount of Olives, just east of Jerusalem. Jesus often stayed in Bethany when he would go to Jerusalem for the different feasts. He never really stayed in Jerusalem for the night. He would go into Jerusalem, he would minister, he would preach, uh, but then at night he'd, he'd leave, he wouldn't stay in the city. And he would often stay out in Bethany, the village of Bethany, Bethany was also the hometown of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, the brother and sisters who lived together in Bethany. Bethany is also where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And the town of Bethany today, it still exists. Today it is an Arab town. It has an Arab population. It's predominantly Muslim. But the name of the town today in Arabic, it literally means the town of Lazarus. So even to this day, the town is known for the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead. So Jesus was in Bethany, where he was likely staying. He's having dinner at the house of Simon the leper. Now, this is the first time Simon the leper is mentioned in the Bible. We don't really know much about Simon the leper. Simon the leper was someone you know that Jesus apparently healed of leprosy and as you know leprosy was a a terminal disease it was a terminal illness there was no treatment there was no cure uh it was it was a death sentence and Jesus healed or cleansed many many lepers during his ministry as a sign of his messiahship if you remember when he would heal a leper he would tell the leper go to the temple, make the offering for the cleansed leper to the priests as a testimony to them, to the priests, that the Messiah has come. And he's cleansing lepers. And Simon was one of the lepers that Jesus healed or cleansed. And the healing of Simon was such a remarkable miracle that after he was healed, people referred to him as Simon the leper. You know, Simon, the guy that used to have leprosy, this nickname just stuck for Simon. He's Simon the leper. People never forgot who Simon was before Jesus healed him. And so they called him Simon the leper. Kind of like that. I think it would be neat if we had nicknames that stated what Jesus healed us of or the sin he delivered us from. Like Billy the liar. Sally the manipulator, Sandy the drunk, Gus the gaslighter, you know, and you could just go on with this. It would be a cool reminder that Jesus has made us new creations and the old man has passed away and he has made everything new and praise the Lord, we are not who we used to be. Praise the Lord that our old sin and our old struggles no longer define who we are. Now we're defined by Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. And so Jesus is at this dinner party at the house of Simon the leper. And listen, He's only two days away from the cross. And He's at a dinner party. He's not so stressed out He can't be around people right now. He's not saying, I can't come to your dinner party tonight. I'm going to die for the sins of the world in two days. I don't have the mental energy to be around people right now. I got the crucifixion coming up in two days. I think I'm just going to stay home tonight. Maybe after the crucifixion or resurrection, we can get together for breakfast. But right now, and as Jesus was sitting at dinner, verse 7 says, a woman came and anointed him with costly oil. Now, the other gospel accounts help us to fill in some details of this story. John's gospel tells us this woman was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, who also lives in the town of Bethany. As I said, she's apparently at this dinner party. So it's Mary. Matthew says she anointed Jesus on his head. John's gospel adds that she also anointed his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. They would sit again. They would sit on the ground. The tables were low. They would sit on the ground on pillows. They would have their feet kind of out behind them. So she came up behind him, anointed his head and his feet, and began to wipe his feet with her hair. Mark's account says this costly oil was worth 300 denarii. Now, a denarii was a, a day's wage for a, a laborer. And so 300 denarii would be equal to about a year's wages for a laborer. So this, this bottle of fragrant oil that she pours out on Jesus, it was worth tens of thousands of dollars in today's money. This oil may have been uh, her whole life savings in that bottle. They didn't have mutual funds or 401ks. You, you would buy something of value, and that's how you would invest your money in the ancient world. And she poured the whole thing out. The other gospel said she, she broke the bottle open and poured it out and used it all to anoint Jesus as an act of worship. But it says when she did this in verse 8, when his disciples saw it, they were indignant. And they said, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Now, John's gospel tells us that it was Judas Iscariot that kind of began this whole indignation thing about this. He was the first one to express indignation. And the other disciples, you know, jumped on the indignation wagon with Judas and said, why the waste? The oil could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. Now, if you're a note taker, this is the oldest recorded example of virtue signaling.
3: He asked me how I know and I say Rings truer than the finest crystal.
1: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew the first book in the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to share with you next time, but if you have any questions or would like to talk to us and have any prayer requests, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also get in touch with us by visiting our website. Go to calvaryec.com and look under the About tab Then click on Contact. You're welcome to submit prayer requests on our website, too. If you're interested in finding additional messages from this series, you can access those at calvaryec.com as well, under the Media tab. Have you connected with a local church? If not, we encourage you to find a church family. It will help guide and support you in your faith. If you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com Our website is a great place to find out what we believe, and you can also get to know Pastor Dan a little more. Feel free to explore and learn more at calvaryec.com In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to gain some additional insights from this New Testament book Pastor Dan will help bring some things to light for you right here on Ring of Truth
3: I see the signs and i recognize the hands that cra